This is Tony. And this is Matt. And this is What Did We Miss? The podcast where we explore our pop culture blind spots one episode at a time. What's going on, Matt? Not much. You? And that's the end of our show. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, forever? Uh, it might be. No, uh, yeah, you know. Um, same old, same old. Same old, same old. So we're in in the midst of horror month here on oh, What yeah. Did We Miss? Mm-hmm. We talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre last time. Yeah. And I believe last time I mentioned that once September hits, September through like the beginning of November, I'm just only watching horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, after we recorded our last episode early August, because it was horror-themed, get me pumped for horror season. Getting you stoked. I just I just dove right in, and now it's just all horror already, yep. and it's going to last for the next like three months. Cool. Yeah, I, uh, uh, Sandra and I watched the new Halloween the other night. She hadn't seen it. Did she like it? She did. It was a lot of fun. Um, she was, you know, squealing and like grossed out the whole time. Okay. At one point, she said, "I don't want any of this." And I said, <laughs> "What did you think was going to happen?" And she said, "I thought everyone was going to be happy and Jamie Lee Curtis was going to kick ass." We hadn't gotten one, to that part. Yet. One of those things. Yeah, came one to... of those things happened. How do you feel about there being two sequels to that? Uh, I don't know. What is it? Halloween. What kills? are they called? Halloween, no, Halloween, kills, Halloween ends. ends. They just, yeah. uh, you know, shortly before we recorded this, they announced that Anthony Michael Hall is going to be playing the, the kid that she babysat. Yeah, unfortunately, Paul Rudd was busy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's he right. He plays Tommy in... Um, six. Is it six or five? Six. It's funny, because John Carpenter's just like, yeah, we're going to keep making them if I keep making money. Yeah. <laughs> he's so great. <laughs> At yeah. least he's so, like... Anytime anyone brings up any movies and interviews with him, they're just like, hey, like... What do you feel about them remaking this movie of yours? And he's like, I don't care as long as they pay me. Yeah, as long as it doesn't cut into my time playing Destiny or making music. Yeah, making music and playing video games. So I I signed up for my annual Shudder account. Oh, right, yeah. Are you familiar with Shudder? I am familiar. Yeah, so it's just a streaming service that's just devoted to horror. This month they currently have the first six Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So oh. I figured I'd I'd rewatch all of them. That's good to know, actually. Uh, we were... Sandra and I were talking about it after watching Halloween, and we think we're going to try to grind through all of those. I think they're leaving at the end of this month. Oh, so this is of no use to our listeners? Yes, no use. Put in it offer doesn't code, matter. Put in offer code, what did we miss for nothing? We have no endorsements. So it doesn't matter. We're talking about, it's not like no one could watch no, Nightmare on Elm Street I... whatsoever. Oh, my God. Jeez, Jesus. Oh, my God. Ugh. I don't think they're very good. Yeah? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh... The first one I ever saw was Freddy vs. Jason. Okay. And then I saw the original. <laughs> and then I saw Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Okay. Uh, that's that's fine. Yeah. That's fair. I think cumulatively, they're interesting and, and, and there's fun stuff in it. So each one, I think there are elements where I'm like, that's fun. That's a cool idea. That's a great that's a great kill. That's mm-hmm. something that horror fans say in relation to a lot of horror movies. Like, mm-hmm. oh, how was that kill? That was a cool kill. So I think there's fun stuff in a lot of them. I think the first one's probably the best. But even in that one, like, I don't think I'm not a big Wes Craven fan, and I don't think he's a great director. There are scenes that are really terrific, like the you know the bed scene and the bathtub scene. But there are also scenes where he's just Freddy's just chasing people, and it doesn't feel. The direction is always just kind of lackluster in those scenes. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the guy who wrote, I want to say, the fourth one, if not a couple of them, Brian Helgeland, mm-hmm. um, gave the commencement speech at the college I went to the year before I graduated. Really? Yeah, because he went there. Oh. Mm-hmm. Did he say something like pun related? No, there were no there were no Nightmare on Elm Street references. Oh, uh, there wasn't? So. Nothing like, 
bitch, you're graduating, bitch. Yeah. No, yeah. Nope, none of that. Uh, well, I think that's funny because once once the series progresses, like Freddie just says bitch so often. Right. And then I also, after that, once I finished those, I dipped into Friday the 13th, which I think are just even worse. They're just, just awful. All I, of them. Every one of them. I'm alienating all of our horror fan well, I think, listeners. I think you have a very specific agenda right now. I might, I might. <laughs> I watched Never Sleep Again, which is a documentary on the first six. Is it six? No, I think it covers Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, it covers everything. Uh, so it covers all the Freddy movies, and it goes movie by movie, interviewing writers, directors, actors for each movie and all that stuff. It's pretty fun if you're interested in horror and making of movies and whatnot. But one thing it uh, reminded me of is there's a there's a Freddy TV show, and I had forgotten all about it. It's called Freddy's Nightmares. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was like an anthology series. Yeah, and he was kind of like a, a, a host, almost a, a crypt keeper, you might he say. He was like the crypt keeper, yes. But the first episode was directed by Toby Hooper. Oh. And it was Freddy's origin. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. I Actually, there's one line of dialogue that I, I wrote down because I thought it was really funny. There's a scene when, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Nightmare on Elm Street, but Freddy murders and molests little kids gets arrested, gets free on a technicality, and then the parents go to to hunt him down. Uh, and one of them is in the show, one of them is a cop. And so this is the scene where they're confronting him. And this cop goes, the law is the law, but tonight the law is on vacation. It's really bad. Anyway, so it's an anthology show, and that reminded me a lot of today's episode, which is Tales from the Crypt. Yes. Yes. And we have a special guest joining us to talk about... One of his favorite shows, am I right? Yep. Hi. Whew, that was loud. Hi. Coming I can in. be louder. Coming in hot. What's Coming up, baby? Hot. Yeah, so we're joined today by Jarrett Blinkhorn, filmmaker extraordinaire. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you guys tortured me. I think the only reason you were bashing all those things because you're like, hey, don't say anything during our intro. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what and I told I just, Tony I was going to do that. I literally started sweating. I'm just like, oh, my God, I just want to say so many things right now. <laughs> but, yeah, Freddy's Nightmares is really bad, though. Yeah, it's really yeah. bad. I love I, it. Do you think it's because it's really low budget? No, a lot of cocaine. <laughs> That's literally because uh, Mick Garris worked on it, and he did an interview where he said uh, every like there was just cocaine everywhere, and the studio who was running it did not give a shit whatsoever what they were doing as long as they had a TV show because it aired so late. I think it was like eleven thirty or midnight. So any rules or restrictions, they were just kind of like as long as we have content that's playing, we're okay. So everyone just did a bunch of drugs and made terrible, terrible episodes, which is Brad Pitt's first acting job. Oh, yeah? Yep. Wow. He's in an episode. It's really bad. Really His bad. episode is really bad. Everything's really bad about yeah, that. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Didn't they do a Friday the 13th one as well? Yep. Yeah. Which had nothing to do with Jason. It was uh, it was inside of like a antique shop, and you know, you see an antique, and then you go into the story about that antique. It was the dumbest thing ever. Sure. Cronenberg directed a bunch of episodes on that. Huh. Though. Really? Yeah. I mean, wow. that kind of makes sense, though. Uh, Friday the 13th was the Antiques Roadshow of the slasher genre. I, I definitely agree. What? <laughs> I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Cocaine. Are, so you mad at me? Yeah, kind of. Okay. No. Uh, Let's move on. No. No, I, I just. I just don't think Friday the 13th has any value. I, other than nostalgia. I disagree. Okay. They were fun when I was a kid, and I look back. <laughs> describing nostalgia. <laughs> I I think they're fun and entertaining, but uh, you and I watch movies different ways. I think. 
Okay. Um, I like the right way and the wrong way. No, I just I like the campy stuff. And, yeah, you know. I get the campy's fine, but I think there's also good trash and bad trash, and I don't see like a lot there's, of great filmmaking in the Friday Thirteenth. And most of the time, it's just kind of stealing from other better horror movies, and then eventually it starts stealing from itself. That's how the series kind of like came into play. You know, yeah. Halloween was a big hit, and they're like, "Oh, yeah. let's do another holiday." Let's do and this. He cheap. just said, um, he took out a uh, newspaper ad saying. Friday the 13th, coming in theaters, and that that's the only idea he had was a movie called Friday the 13th. So he hired a writer to write a movie about, and he's like, oh, babysitter, like camp counselors. It's close to babysitters, and then just ripped off Halloween, went their own trajectory. And he was super pissed when the se- sequels turned into Jason, because when they said, like, oh, we're bringing Jason as the killer, he's like, no, Jason's not the killer. He was the victim. And it just went downhill but i think there's you know part six the one that tom mclaughlin directed i yep. think is super fun and i think there's a lot of really uh, wait good stuff so is, is t- part six the one Jason where lives tommy jarvis is played by tom matthews um it's not okay, the one so it's one where he comes back and they like let uh he stabs jason with that thing and it gets struck by a bolt of lightning and they do the frankenstein kind of him coming up okay so that's... i think that's the next so i started rewatching this i think i got to five yeah. which is the one where Tommy Tom, Jarvis Tommy is, is, is in that mental institute. Like yeah, mental okay. That's the last house. one I watched. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, that one's not that good. Danny Steinman directed that, and he's no. he's known for doing porn. I think the one bef- <laughs> I think the one before that might be the best one. That one was re- with Corey Feldman. Yes, well, yeah. and, and Crispin and Chris, Glover. Crispin Glover is His, so good in it. Like yeah. he comes out of nowhere. Like because these movies have like the sh- the worst actors. What they call him a fuck stick or something like that. Yeah, no but, dead fuck. Yeah, and then Crispin Glover shows up, and he's just this force of nature presence. You're just like, who the fuck is this guy? And was that pre or post Back to the Future? Pre, and they get some meat cleaver to the face, which is awesome. Yeah, it was a good kill. But that's the thing too. Like, (laughs) that was a good kill. That's the thing. I think the the Nightmare on Elm Street movies are consistently more creative in their visuals and in their kills. I I think it's because the character of Freddy relies on that almost because you're dealing with the dream nature and like anything can happen in a dream. Whereas you know some guy in a hockey Mask, yeah, you can't. Yeah, Jason can't craft a yeah. kill around a pun because he but, doesn't talk. But I mean, he did have some pretty sweet kills. Like, let's not forget the sleeping bag against the tree trunk with the girl inside the sleeping bag. Yeah, okay. Or the best one is part eight where he uh, is that Manhattan. Yes, Jason takes Manhattan. It's a terrible movie. But at one point he's getting Jared, into a boxing match. They're all terrible. No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's in a boxing match with some guy on a rooftop. And he punches him so hard in the head that his head flies off and goes all the way down, bounces off a bunch of rooftops, and lands in a garbage can, and the lid closes. <laughs> and I was like, he just decapitated someone with a punch and disposed of the evidence in, like, one swing. Wait, is that Pretty the badass. one at the end where he falls into some toxic waste and he yes. reverts to being a yep. little boy? Yep. They're flawed. Yeah. They're flawed. <laughs> They're, flawed. <laughs> They're not perfect. I've never said what's, they were perfect. What's your favorite Nightmare on Elm Street? I love... You one, love Dream Warriors. I like one, three, and four, which is uh, yeah. Dream Warriors is the third, and uh, Dream Master is the fourth. Yeah. That's the Rennie Harlan one. So do you prefer those to New Nightmare? Uh, I do like New Nightmare. I just, I like classic Freddy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I, might I don't prefer... like trench coat Freddy. Yeah, Nine yeah, Inch yeah. Nails Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might slightly prefer four, because I like the little time loop thing in the in yeah. the back half. I think that's a lot yeah. of fun. And the cockroach kill is yeah, there's really, a lot of really great. Cool stuff in that one. That was Rennie Harlan's yep. like, second movie, I, I think? I think so, yeah. Yeah. That was the first Nightmare on Elm Street I ever saw. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember watching that one a lot when I was a little kid, because yeah. I think a lot of those were, they were some of my first they got more play horror movies. The they were on uh, like a lot of the cable channels yeah. and stuff. But that's just like Tales from the Crypt. 
which I believe I watched when I was young, and I have no memory of mm-hmm. any of it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I knew it was a a live action adult show, but honestly, my only exposure to it was the animated Saturday morning oh, cartoon, oh, Tales, Tales from, from the Crypt, Crypt Keeper. Keeper. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm. I know I watched that. I think it's one of those shows that was probably like because we never had any of the pay cable channels. Yep. So I think it was one of those things where it was a free weekend and I would watch Tales from the Crypt yeah. episodes. But I don't re- have any specific memories of them. But I rem- for this episode, watching the episodes that you assigned us. Which was so tough to do, too, because there's so many different, you know, if you talk to people who are really into Tales from the Crypt, like some of the episodes that I gave, they'd probably be like, oh, that's the worst episode. But I love them. So fuck them. <laughs> well, We're allowed to say fuck, right? Yeah. No. Oh, fuck no? <laughs> no. <laughs> After talking about all that brutal murder, oh, we sorry. draw the line at filthy language. All right. Um, <laughs> but putting the episode on, I was like, instantly, I was like, oh, I remember this opening. Yeah. And I remember the Crypt Keeper, and I remember mm-hmm. the theme song by Danny Elfman. Yeah. And this showing, you know, the camera going through this house that looks which almost like, like a cheap haunted house. But I love that. Yeah. I love that cheapness of it. Yeah. Well, like, leading up to the house, that was like one of the coolest miniatures because that was like a miniature set and I found pictures one time of like the miniature set with all the lights on while they were like staging stuff and I was just like, oh my God, I want that in like a shrine <laughs> in my living yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Do you yeah. see that photo of uh, Rob Zombie standing over like the Pee Wee's Playhouse? No. Yeah, because he, he did like prop work. On really? That. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know I that. I think. Or like maybe he like shared a photo of like the yeah. set with someone else but I know he was associated but that's really know, cool this made me realize that I really miss good Danny Elfman music mm. like yeah it's a been a great while. Danny Elfman score it's been a like, while iconic you know mm-hmm. you yeah. hear that and you're just like it's like the Simpsons and he was on a roll for yeah. such a long time yeah it was and like then the all of a sudden it's just mid, like mid 80s to like 92 or 3 yeah. early just, t- he did some good work in the early 2000s like what too. Spider-Man all right. The theme for but the like, Spider-Man movies yeah. is great. Yeah. Oh, he did the he did the score for the Hulk, I believe, too. Did he really? Yeah, which is really weird. The Ang Lee cool. Hulk? Yeah. Can we just uh, talk about Oingo Boingo for a while? No. Please? we got to keep on track. Oh, can we do an episode about Oingo Boingo in the sure. future? Sweet. Have you ever listened to Oingo Boingo? Yeah, I've probably listened to too much for it to count as a, an episode. Yeah, me too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm, mm, sorry. Well, no, that's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you had no prior exposure you to- You had no prior experience <laughs> with the Crypt Keeper? I knew the character. I, I, you know, I knew the puns and that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, but no, I had never actually watched an episode of the show oh, wow. yeah. prior to this. Wow, that's cool. But same deal. Um, I think by the time we had pay channels in my house growing up, it was certainly after the show had uh, run its course and wasn't on reruns anymore. Yeah, it ran from 1989 to 1996, I believe. Right? Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Seven seasons. And before we get into the show, I guess it's probably important to mention that it is based off of the EC Comics mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt. Have either of you read any Tales from the Crypt comics? I have. Uh, if you're expecting a deep dive on that conversation, you should talk to my brother. He's the one that's obsessed with the all. EC Comics. Uh, but it's based off of a lot of, you know, there was multiple series. There's Tales from the Crypt. There's Vault of Horror. Yep. Uh, and like shock suspense stories, weird yeah. science. Uh, they kind of lean more towards the horror stuff, obviously. Uh, some really, really good stuff, though. Um, Do you know I, what EC Comics stands for? I don't. Entertaining comics? Yeah, but it initially started off as education comics. Right. Yeah. And, um, and then Bill Gaines uh, took over from his father, and he saw that the horror stuff was selling a lot better. And so he canceled all the education titles, changed it to entertainment comics, and then doubled down on um, the horror stuff. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it had to do with, you know, kids growing up and out of 
superhero stuff, uh, guys coming back from World War II and sort of wanting something a little more visceral and a little more adult and spooky. In a previous episode, we talked a bit, probably when we did the Fantastic Four, we talked about the Frederick Wortham book, Seduction of the Innocent, and specifically we were talking about the Batman-Robin context there, but it also really came after it was mostly comics. this yeah yeah um it was it was uh influencing youngsters it influenced a lot you yeah. know just uh because i feel like at that time they were kind of like cornering the market for horror stories that are accessible for kids so everyone that you know started directing in the 70s 80s yeah. stephen king as well he george romero george romero yeah. john carpenter and like with their guys. collaboration on creep show was kind of a throwback to like yeah appreciating the ec comics and Thankfully, they did that because I love Creepshow, too. Let's talk about that one. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but the EC, the the Tales from the Crypt comics, the, that whole run of stuff was really only five years. And then the comics code came into play, and, it, and you know, yeah, just that was it, the end of it. They pivoted to MAD, and yeah, that, that worked out for them. That worked but. out for them, yeah. Until it just got canceled, right? Yeah, the, earlier this year. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No yeah. Shit. Bummer. Yeah. Everyone got really yeah, sad. You, yeah, you just brought me down. Sorry, oh. man. Uh, so I, I did read some of the comics for this. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, just some. Uh, I downloaded like a collection. Yeah. And it play it plays just like the show. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah. show, all the episodes were based off of actual comics, not just the tales from the crypt ones, but the horror, the vault, vault of horror, vault of horror, yeah. and all the other um, series that they did. Before we keep going, though, I do have uh, some transcripts from a Senate subcommittee meeting that oh, Bill terrific. Gaines sat in on Ooh. post the seduction of the innocent book. Because um, a lot of the the covers, especially for uh, these comics, were fairly lurid. You know, he was being grilled on whether or not he thought he had a, a responsibility to to be publishing things in good taste, and he always gave the, the caveat that like, you know, I'm not going to do anything that I personally think is beyond the realm of good taste. And you know, he published horror comics, so a certain amount of of gruesomeness was to be expected. Uh, so here's a senator um, saying, "Here is your May 22nd issue." This seems to have a man with a bloody axe holding a woman's head up, which has been severed from her body. Do you think that is in good taste? And Gaines responds, yes, sir, I do, for the cover of a horror comic. A cover in bad taste, for example, might be defined as holding the head a little higher, so the neck could be seen dripping blood from it, and from the and moving the body over a little further, so that the neck of the body can be seen to be bloody. The senator said, you have blood coming out of her mouth. And Gaines says, a little. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one thing that struck me when reading it is that it felt pretty modern a lot of yeah. like just how gruesome it was yeah and then I was like oh this is from like the 60s right and it's not it's from 50 to yeah. 55 and it was that was startling even in its storytelling some of it felt a little more modern than a lot of the 60s comics that we were talking about when we did Fantastic Four sure well those again were sort of probably made with a younger audience in mind and this True. you know well, it wasn't just horror stuff but like science fiction and hard-boiled detective stories yeah. and crime stories and they were really like you know they were doing some edgy stuff they were borrowing a lot from hp lovecraft and edgar Allan poe and a lot of the pulp novels at mm -hmm. the time so i think that kind of informed it but a lot mm. of it also has a lot of narration but it wasn't just the crypt the crypt keeper was part of the comics but there was actually two other yeah, characters too the old witch the old and witch and the, the vault one? keeper the vault keeper yeah. that's who, right uh, yeah, and all three of them were in the cartoon, so I was familiar oh, with them okay. as well. Oh, nice. So I guess for the Crypt Keeper from the show that we know, the animatronic Crypt Keeper was like... Which is amazing. It is amazing. Oh, yeah. But they based him off of the three characters, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
not that they're really distinctive characters in the comics. They're just sort yeah. of like the narrators kind of leading you through. But I thought what was fun is that even back then in the 50s, the Crypt Keeper referred to the audience or your reader as, as kitties. Yep. Yeah. So and, and that they retain that for the show. Yeah. And uh, it seems I don't know if all the episodes were all the episodes based off of stories from the comics. I don't believe all the episodes were. I but... think they were until they ran out of material yeah. in the back half. The last few seasons, they started digging into other uh, source material. And then the last whole season, the seventh season, I guess, was all filmed in, in, in the U.K., yeah, yeah, well, I mean, if not from the Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, and Haunt of whatever it's called, Haunt uh, of Fear, Haunt I of think. Fear, yeah, it was all it was all coming from one EC comic or another, whether yeah. it's like suspense yeah. stories or. And they still like maintain the original. Like, if you read the original comics, they're very like playful and have this, you know twist of irony that is like, oh, hey, surprise! You know, it feels like an M Night Shyamalan twist. Uh, which is actually really funny because they were in the process of rebooting it with M Night Shyamalan attached. Hey, he's a producer. Like, yeah, but that died really quickly. That's not happening. They sent him and his bag of twists home. Yeah. Well, the guy who owns the rights to Tales from the Crypt is actually from Rhode Island. He's a producer in Rhode Island. Really? But he only has the rights to the title, not the Crypt Keeper. So they were going ahead with it. Everyone was super jazzed. And then someone was like, oh, what are you doing for the Crypt Keeper? They're like, oh, we're not doing it. And everyone's like, no. And then it died. Is the guy who did the voice of the Crypt Keeper still around? Yep. He's, you could see him at any horror convention ever. Yeah. I've met him several times. Let's talk about the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> John Kassir, I think yeah. is how you pronounce his name. Yeah. I think it's great because he kind of like, not only like he's animatronic, handled by, I believe like six people. Yeah. It doesn't look real, but it looks great. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure of any other way to really describe it. It has a distinct look. And I I remember hearing an interview with uh, John Kassir, who plays the voice, um, saying that, you know, season one, the animatronics were very limited with what they could do with the mouth and everything. So he, his dialogue was very refrained. But towards like season three or season four, they were actually able to like animate the mouth a little bit more. So that's when he started getting like more expressive. Like if you, and if you go back and watch episodes from the first season, like he just kind of talks like this. And then all of a sudden he's like, ah, ha, 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 like it just builds it as the animatronics are building, too. And I just yeah. love how playful it kept getting. You know, it's it's very similar to Nightmare on Elm Street. Like you start off. You know, he's creepy, but he still has the puns and everything. But then all of a sudden, like, you see him lifting weights with Arnold Schwarzenegger right next to him in, like, the intros. And it just gets outrageous really quickly. Yeah, there is one of the intros. I don't remember which episode it was, but I I thought for a minute maybe they, like, had gone back. And I'm like, did they do, like, CGI over this? Because there was, there was movement in his face that yeah. was so detailed. Because there was a lot of puppeteers on him. Yeah. I think it was, like, six or seven. You yeah. can see him on the credits at the end. Uh, it says, like, Crypt Keeper Puppeteer, and I think there's six or seven names. But I believe it was uh, designed by Kevin Yeager, who's worked on Nightmare on Elm Streets as well and, you know, pretty much everything else. I wasn't expecting him to feel like he was like Rod Serling if he just, like, didn't give a fuck about any of the people. <laughs> like, he's so thrilled that these people all get maimed and die horribly. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, like, Rod Serling's having a bad day, and he's like, fuck this asshole. I don't care that he can't read those books. <laughs> That's a Crypt Keeper, and it's great. Yeah, and he's so cheeky, yeah. and his jokes are so bad, but they know the jokes are so bad. Like, that's I think the that's point the appeal of it. to it. But I think yeah. what that's, that's what's great about it, because it sets up the tone of the whole show. Mm. Like, right off the bat, you see him for, like, two minutes. Yeah. And and it's crazy, too, because the opening is, like, has no credits. Yeah. And it's, like, at least over a minute for the whole opening. And then you get the Crypt Keeper. And these are, like, 22-minute episodes. And we mm. don't really get into the episode until, like, four minutes. Yeah. But it sets up this whole tone of this creaky kind of old-fashioned mm -hmm. 
kind of corny, yeah, uh, disposable, but super super fun, just horror. Yeah. yeah, there's no there's the episodes are so short that there's no time for it to be anything but the thing you're there for. I think yeah. that's what I really appreciated the most because there's so much modern stuff now that's just like everything is just so long. Yeah, and always trying to be of the now in the sense of like, and we had talked about this briefly off of the podcast, but you know the point of comparison now is obviously a show like Black Mirror, mm. and I think this is so much more refreshing to watch. Yeah. I, I I would kill for something like this, like a, a modern version of this, yeah. succinct to the point and disposable, and not trying to be profound the whole time. Yep. Cause oh I, yeah, this cause, has yeah. no moral agenda. No. No, not not whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's so... <laughs> like refreshingly nasty and nihilistic it's just like we just want to it's just 30 minutes of punchline you know what i mean it's fun it's entertaining it doesn't overstay its welcome every episode is different in the way that anthologies work is i just fucking love that because you know there shows like breaking bad you follow the same characters for you know 12 episodes i'm not shitting on breaking bad i love it but it's always nice to get a different story entirely every week and with that comes you know, there's some episodes that play like a comedy the entire time. And then their next week is a horror episode. And then next week, you know, it's a first person perspective of Humphrey Bogart that they CGI'd onto some actor's face, which is hilarious. You guys got to check that episode out. CGI though? You, yeah, you just have to watch it. Okay. It's uh, in season five. It's called You Murderer. The first billing is Humphrey Bogart because they, they have Humphrey. It's from Humphrey Bogart's perspective. He plays some character that ends up getting murdered. And then you follow his perspective the entire time. So they have a Humphrey Bogart impersonator doing his voice. And when he looks in a mirror, it's clearly a shot of like a picture of Humphrey Bogart that they like move the mouth a little bit to the words. <laughs> and it has like John Lithgow in it and Sherilyn Finn. That's the great thing is like seeing all these amazing actors and actresses yeah. every week. Stacked. Because, you know, you can one week you can have Meatloaf. The next week you can have John Stamos. The week after that you have Bobcat Goldthwait and uh, Don Rickles in an episode together. Yeah. Which is awesome. You guys watch that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into the episodes. Right. So, so we're gonna we're gonna go in chronological order. Cool. So, so the, and all through the house would be the first one, yeah. right? Mm. So the first episode that you assigned us to watch was called "And All Through the House," and that's from season one. It's episode two, mm-hmm. and this is directed by Robert Zemeckis. Well, he is the executive producer, yeah. along with like who? Joel Silver, yep, Joel Gilbert Silver, Adler, Walter Hill, Walter Hill. Yeah. Uh, isn't like Richard Donner on that list, or he might have directed? Yeah, a bunch he was of a episodes. director. Certainly, yeah. So this is actually a remake of the story that they did it for the. Uh, they did it for the 1972 yes. movie. Yes. But this one. That's how I was familiar awesome. with it because yeah. I'm familiar with the 1972 movie, which I I really like. It's a lot more British in tone. Yeah. <laughs> and the Crypt Keeper is just some old dude, <laughs> but it's still pretty fun, mm. uh, and especially. It's in tone with like Hammer horror movies, yeah, and, and a lot of Atticus, uh, which is another Amicus. Amicus, sorry, um, Atticus. Son of a bitch. Atticus, uh, like the clothing line from Blink One Eighty Two. No, I was thinking of um, Atticus Finch, Finch? from yeah. Uh, yeah. He moonlights as a, he moonlights as, as, a, as a horror as a director. Horror writer. <laughs> uh, Amicus, which is similar to Hammer horror, but yeah, that's that's how I was familiar with yeah. this story. But this is also written by Fred Decker. Fred, Fred Decker was the writer. Blade Runner. No. No. That's the character's name, right? Decker. No, no, no. I, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I thought there was a name with two Ks and the Blade Runner Fred Decker uh, wrote and directed uh, Monster Squad. Oh, okay. There you yeah. go. And Night of the Creeps. And Night of the Creeps. Yeah. That's a good one. But he also co-wrote some stuff with- um, Well, he worked on RoboCop 3. He, yeah, <laughs> and I think that's what kind of killed his career. Yeah, yep. He also co-wrote, I think, the new Predator movie with Shane- Yes. Yes, he did. Black. Which I watched recently. It's not very good. 
I enjoyed it. Okay. It felt like, uh, you know how uh, there's this thing where, you know, like hard R action eight movies in the 80s, like they'd get a couple sequels in, they'd be like, let's put a kid in it and make it PG-13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did that, but they also kept it R. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yeah. they have the kid, but they also have, you know, the Predators ripping dudes' heads off. So Yeah. I think it felt like you could, when you're watching it, you could kind of tell that the studio was trying to wrestle control of this this weird, ungainly thing that Shane Black had. Shane Black had made a Shane Black movie, yeah. and they're like, "You can't do that. What's <laughs> wrong? Allowed. What is wrong with you?" Um, but anyway, and the the director of photography of this episode is Dean Cundy. Was it? I yeah. didn't even notice that at that time. Yeah. Oh my god! Director of photography from everything. Most everything of John amazing. Carpenter's movies. Jurassic oh. Park. He did Jurassic Park. He did Jurassic Park. <sighs> He is amazing. So I'm this familiar episode, with this episode this because... This episode looks so good. Yeah. This episode is literally the Blinkhorn Christmas special. Uh, we watch it every Christmas. At our, like, our whole family comes over, you know, whatever, Santa Claus is coming to town, all those, like, Rankin and Bass things are on yep. TV. And then after a certain point, we put on this episode. And we've been doing it for since I was five years old, probably, since it first came out. So, yeah, I'm born and, in 86. And, and listeners... Um, Jarrett is wearing a shirt with the Santa from this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great family uh, Christmas special. Opens yeah. with a woman killing her husband with a fire poker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just straight to the face. Yep. Yep. Comically <laughs> trying to pull it out of his forehead. Wasn't yeah. that Zemeckis' wife, too? What's her name? Oh. She was in everything. Yeah. She was Ma- in Mary Ellen Trainer. Yeah. Yeah, I... she was the therapist in, I must say, Blade Runner again. Yeah. Lethal Weapon. Um. Yeah, she she, she was pops up as like a newscaster in every movie yeah. ever. Yeah, Goonies. In that she was yeah. She was the mom yep. in Goonies. Mm-hmm. I think she was married to Zemeckis for a little bit. Her character is hilarious. I just love how this show doesn't mind doing that thing where we look back in the '80s and say like, you probably shouldn't say everything that you're doing. You know, that's almost seems like bad writing, but at the time it was acceptable. It's either that or saying something twice to give it like that, like. Uh, for example, when uh, she's like, oh, mommy, what are you getting for Christmas? I already got my gift, sweetie. I already got it. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just bad writing at this point. You, well, no one would ever do that kind of thing now. Yeah, I mean, but, it, it kind of leans into the, the cheese factor yeah. a bit, too. Oh, yeah. It's very acceptable then. I still think it works now. I think it's cheeky. I think it's done intentionally. And the I tone is the I don't think I've, s- or at least I don't remember seeing it done sure. since the 80s. I mean, Tarantino 90s. does that in every movie. Does he? Oh, yeah. There's constant repetition of, of everything. Mm. Like, characters repeat things, and then another character will say it back. Yeah. The same exact thing. Oh, yeah. And then the original character will repeat it. Like, he I was going to say that. I can definitely recall, like, though. Rodriguez doing that as yeah. well. Yeah. Maybe you're um, right. But uh, I just looked, and she is Zemeckis' wife. Was. Was. Yes. Yeah, she, she also passed away, what, like three years ago? Or, and I watched this episode in her honor. <laughs> 2015. Four years, wow. So she kills her husband, tells her kid to go to bed, and then we hear like a, is it the news? Is it TV? Yeah, it's on the, no, it's it's on the radio. radio. Uh, and who has the, just has the radio on anymore? <laughs> well, they're listening to Christmas songs. Yeah, I heard it in the background. I, I thought it was justified. I'm yeah, okay. No, no, no. I just oh, like, totally I, I just had that moment where it's kind of like if you see... M- too many people smoking in a yeah. TV show. Uh, it it kind of jumps out at you, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't know that I just have the n- yeah. the news on the radio anymore. But there's a news broadcast, yep. and there's this escaped convict, and he's dressed as Santa, and he's going around killing people, mm-hmm. and he happens to show up at her house mm-hmm. while she's trying to dispose of the body. Figures to try and kill two birds with one stone, so she's gonna blame this whole thing on the Santa. Well, and she, but not initially. She didn't. Yeah, she's just trying she to kind su- of survive initially. Yeah, yeah. She kind of 
is rolling with the punches. Yeah. You know? She takes out the Santa, and that's when she's like, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense. Santa killed my husband. I'm, yeah. I'm in like Flynn. This is the big difference between this one and the original one from the Tales from the Crypt movie. That's not part of the original one. But anyway, and then the, you know, Santa's not dead. Of course not. No, no, definitely not. And then the little girl lets the Santa into the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she is such a needy kid, too. She's trying to let Santa's crawling up the side of her house. She's like, come on, Santa. She's trying to help him up because she thinks it's Santa. And he's bringing She's like, where's my present, Santa? Where's my present? It's like, shut up, little girl. <laughs> oh, and let's let's not forget that the Santa is played by Larry Drake. Yep. Dark, yeah. <laughs> wasn't he? Uh, he's was a dark he, man. He was in Dark Man, but yeah. uh, the dentist wasn't oh, he? The dentist. Oh yeah, he's in the dentist. Yep. Another schlocky horror movie. Oh yeah, great stuff. No, a no. plus stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's like this gnarly Santa. And he, oh, he's gross. He doesn't really say anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like gnar- gnarly teeth. Yeah, yeah. Blood and the beard eyes. is just like from the bottom. It doesn't have the mustache. It's just yeah. like haggard and hanging yeah. off. I think blood this, everywhere. I think this was my favorite of the four that yeah. you sent. You asked us to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought formally that this one was the most impressive. Like yeah. he's got some split diopter shots. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, um, I mean this, this a lot of what was in here felt like a sort of dry run for Death Becomes Her kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could feel that. There's that one shot where she's uh, in the closet getting the gun, and she looks out the window and sees the Santa. Like the ladder goes up and the Santa starts coming in. When he looks at her through that window, I always thought that was the scariest shit as a kid. Imagine looking out a window and seeing that creepy Santa like, I'm getting into your house and you're going to die. <laughs> and the, it, the episode basically ends with... Her screaming, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, Seems over like and she, over again. She's not going to make it. Yeah, no. <laughs> doesn't the Crypt Keeper say that the little girl was going to live, though? I think he says at the end, he's like, don't worry, he doesn't have interest in kids. Oh, yeah, he makes a joke about how um, maybe something about Santa only having an interest in older women or something. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's he, he's, not... he's a good guy, you know, good guy at heart. Yeah. He's bringing presents yeah. to the little boys and girls. Loves the children. Yeah. yeah. He's you... a murderer. All right. He doesn't step out of his wheelhouse. Yeah. There you go. Did you like this episode? I did. Yeah. Tony? I liked it a lot. I just love how like contained it felt too. You know, it was all at this one house. Mm-hmm. You don't get like this master wide shot of the house at any point. It's just kind of, she no. ends up going outside at, and you just stay with the character or stay with like the radio as she yeah. walks away and felt very like claustrophobic yeah and a lot of the action is all very clearly composed yeah. and, and cut together and nothing's confusing it's a lot of like almost like hitchcock kind of like close-ups of the yeah. necessary action beats and all that mm-hmm. to build the tension and like you said the claustrophobia of this whole yeah. house and and it's set and, in the winter obviously because yeah. it's christmas and like the fake snow just looks yeah like that perfect 90s fake snow mm-hmm. <laughs> just want to like play in it <laughs> Yeah, and in the same way that the crypt keeper is always telegraphing the puns, like there's nothing subtle here. There's like no. the the overly comedic, like her hiding the poker behind her mm-hmm. back when the kid comes out, and yeah, I yeah. love that kind of stuff. Nothing, darling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. great. So the next episode is from season two. It's episode three, and it's called Cutting Carts. Oh, this is a good one. And this one is directed and um, written by Walter Hill. Yep, of the Warriors fame and mm-hmm. the Driver, Southern Comfort, the Long Riders. This one was my favorite. This one's your favorite? Yeah. I know a lot of people who like swear by this episode. I love it. I wouldn't say it's my favorite because yeah. I, I tend to like more like the horror, scary stuff. And this yeah. is not one of those stories. Like I said, you know, every episode can be something completely different. This stars Lance Hendrickson. In an awesome cowboy he's outfit. So, oh, yeah. He's so great. He, he is, is great. Yeah. 
And Kevin Teak, you know what he's from? Yeah, he was uh, Locke's dad in yeah, Lost. Yeah, Locke's dad yep. in Lost, yeah. And they just, the two of them just chew the shit out of the scene. Oh, oh yeah. Just so much, yeah. I read that Walter Hill actually used the comic a lot as a way to storyboard this episode. Well, I was going to say, like, that. yeah, the the way the, just the lighting in this looked like yes. a comic. Yeah. It was, so, and I love that, especially if it's something that comes from a comic book as source material and they play with that kind of lighting. So you get people's faces who are just like, you know, like blue and pink on opposite sides. I was, yeah. Yep. yeah, love it. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that Rembrandt lighting, too, yeah. with like the small triangle on one side of the face and mm-hmm. the dark shadows on the other side of the face. And I think this works because of the two leads. Yeah. Uh, they're just so, so good in this. Yeah, I mean, you have to be completely game for something yeah. this absurd. The episode is really simple in the way it's shot. It's a lot of just shot, reverse shot, Yeah, mostly medium shots. It really doesn't break from that too focusing often. Focusing on the two characters. Yeah, and it's really just going back and forth. And mm. uh, the premise is essentially these these two guys who... Um, these two gamblers, yeah. they have a rivalry. So Lance Henriksen comes back into town, who is sort of like shamed out of Vegas or yeah. something. So he's here. Keep, isn't his name Reno, too? Re- yeah, yeah. Such a badass name for Reno, Lance Hunter. Reno Crevice. Oh, jeez. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and the other character's name is Sam Forney. Yeah, so there's a, like a no-limit table in the back, and he goes to, you know, make some money off the guy. And it just it keeps escalating to the point where they decide to play Russian roulette out in the parking lot. I just love how it goes from, like, they roll, he's like, dice is my game. And then they roll dice twice. And then like, all right, let's do Russian roulette. Yeah. <laughs> they it's go like from you might wanna... to putting a revolver to yeah. each other's heads. It's like you might want to like try cards now or try like craps or something. There's, I'm sure it can escalate to Russian roulette eventually, but they kind of went for it real quick. Yeah. I think the Russian roulette part is probably the best part of this, yeah. this whole episode just because it, it builds so elegantly. Yeah, mm-hmm. We know how many bullets are in the gun yeah. and they're trading off and we're just waiting for that moment for one of them to fucking bite it. Yeah, mm. and like the way they're yelling back and forth about the odds, like, I'll take that chance. Yep. <laughs> and they go, they get to Russian roulette like 10 minutes in. So you yeah. get half an episode left and you're like, what the fuck could they possibly yeah. do? And they've somehow managed to land on an idea that's more uncomfortable than Russian roulette. Yeah. yeah. They're playing... Um, chop poker. Chop poker where... Uh, Whoever loses the hand uh, loses a finger. Yeah. And, it escalates. and the other person gets to chop it off, which is the most right. exciting part. Yes. Yeah, before you even know like what exactly they're doing, you see like these two dudes in like white scrubs behind them with yeah. like a, bo- a box of gauze. <laughs> yeah, where? <laughs> Waiting by the poker table. Was that like a thing back in, you know, 89 or whatever? Is like, <laughs> is there rooms well, no, where it's like, yeah, is, chop your this finger This is based off. off of a comic. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that was a thing in the 50s? Like they had a back room where it's like, hey, let's chop off fingers during poker let's games. We, we have the crew ready. <laughs> like we're ready to go. Well, I love that it just, you know, kind of kind of what we were saying earlier, it makes no effort to nor does it really have any interest in explaining some of this yeah. stuff. It just is. Yeah, I buy it. I buy that in this world, these two guys are completely willing to just hack each other's limbs off over a card game. I love how Lance Hendrickson wins the first two rounds, so he was very happy to chop off the other guy's finger. And then he loses the next round and instantly like, wait, 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 I'll give you back one of your fingers. And like, <laughs> we can sew it back on right now if you just... And he's like, no, your fingers are coming yeah. off. And it ends with both of them basically just being stumps. Yeah. Like they yeah, have no, no arms, more no legs. Yeah. Playing uh, checkers in a hospital. Yeah. Yep. With their noses. <laughs> yeah. I think 
my reservation about this episode is, is I the fe- last shot where they go forehead to forehead and stare at each other and then it zooms out the like the big dot that goes <laughs> <laughs> you almost expect to hear like yeah it was like Looney Tunes I think that's yeah. the point yeah. yeah I think that's great no I like that I just think the Russian roulette is more satisfying than I think it just kind of escalates in a different way like it's almost like a lateral move it doesn't feel like this building because it's yeah. like oh our lives are on the line it's like well now our limbs are on the line so I don't and I'm not really sure how to reconcile that but I just to me I thought the roulette stuff was a little more satisfying yeah I think for me it was you know the expectation assuming one of them actually dies playing Russian roulette like you're gonna see something gnarly but like then that person's gonna be dead and then mm. I think the idea of them just living disfigured over a card game was just like and like the visceral act of having to hack a person's limbs off the smallest part of that limb at a time. Yeah. It was just so like, ugh. It was very icky in a way that's I don't know why both should be horrifying. Somehow Russian roulette sort of lands in the middle for me, I guess. I love how they're rivals, but in the hospital together, they're like almost forced to spend the rest of their lives yeah. together. It's just like, oh, you guys are like a that's old that married gr- couple. Yeah, that's that great kind of like reversal of yeah. kind of storytelling kind of thing that that I think a lot of these that the show does and that the comic does is like forcing characters into those situations. Like yeah. the outcome isn't what either of them had anticipated, and it's kind of forcing them to confront this thing mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives. And even like when they're playing Russian roulette in the alleyway, that what, that guy like drives in and and like ask for directions or whatever and like one of them pulls the gun on him and the other one's like what my friend just say yeah. <laughs> so it's like as soon as there's a third party they're like fuck that dude yeah yeah it's just all about their rivalry i yep. guess yeah living maybe by the code they're, maybe they're just really in love i i made a note uh i the music was done by james horner oh yeah and the opening music just for me just reminded me of like sonic spinball or sonic when you're in the casino this zone is, or whatever yeah. this is kind of like that early 90s like yeah. synthesizer stand in for it was, horns oh god it was it was rough it's not so good yeah, yeah. especially from james horner yeah. of all people that's, that's why when i saw his name i was like oh dude you're better than this yeah yeah <laughs> that was one thing too i was like oh the music in this episode yeah. is not so great but there's a there's quite a few episodes where the music is so out of place and it almost adds to the element of like there's one episode I think intentionally like, so or do you think feels it's just like it if uh, like there's one episode that's like something's not okay with you Judy I think the name is hold on let me but like the music is just like classical piano over this entire thing where basically like his wife switches bodies with an old hag and the music just feels so out of place but it is unsettling, you know. Not the James Horner one in this, though. That was just no. way too playful. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's really playful and kind of. Yeah. It's almost like attempting to do what Twin Peaks does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But doesn't kinda, pull it off. Yeah. I've never been to a casino, and I've got a deadline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the third episode is called "The Ventriloquist Dummy," oh, yeah. and this is from season two, and this is episode ten, and this one is directed by Richard. Donner and written mm-hmm. by Frank Darabont. Frank yeah. Darabont, and I guess they accredit also to William M. Games, who wrote the comic. And stars Bobcat Goldthwait Bob and Cat Goldthwait. Don Rickles. Don Rickles. And Morty. <laughs> <laughs> Morty is, is the ventriloquist dummy yeah. in this. Yes. <laughs> uh, Richard Donner from Superman and Lethal Weapon and The, the Goonies. Old... The, the what? The Goonies. Uh, I'm not familiar. Oh, get off. I'm just kidding. Get off your high horse. I'm just kidding. The old double D. Oh, man. Am I going to get teamed up on with the the Goonies? No, I don't don't have the love for it, but I also like- I don't have the hatred for it. I don't either. 
Yeah, I don't care. You don't. You sure? It's just funny to dig it in. Oh, you're one of those people. Just because, like, it's the Space Jam of its era. (laughs) What? No (laughs) No. way. It's not that good. It's not the Space Jam of the 80s. It's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, maybe the hook. The hook of the 80s. That's more Hook is terrible. No, it's... Hook Hook was the 90s, but I'll give it to you. Yeah, no, Goonies is the hook of the 80s. Or oh, vice versa. no, that's also still off base. Okay. I think it's closer than not Space good. Jam. They're basically movies that have lingered in the public conscious because of nostalgia, and that's it. Not because they're great movies. Why, why do other things linger? Because they're actually good. You didn't have to let it linger. You didn't have to let it linger. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm sorry. No. No. The no, song just no. sounds like a fart. Okay, we're getting sidetracked here. Yeah. I think what's interesting about this episode is when it started off, I was like, oh, I've seen this before. Because obviously the ventriloquist dummy being this murderer uh, is, is a trope. It, we've seen yeah, it in a ton of per- horror oh, movies. Split personality. Yeah. He's yeah. hiding behind the dummy when he's doing bad uh, things. I've seen it in, in, in Magic, Magic, uh, the movie Magic, um, and also in Batman. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and in this, I think what makes it interesting is it kind of upends that by making it his twin brother. <laughs> Who is his hand? His, who is yeah. his hand? Yeah. Who has the coolest voice too? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Is that so? Is is that Don Rickles doing the voice? I don't know. This is a really good question. Yeah, I think so. So Don Rickles plays a famous ventriloquist who, uh, as a child, Bobcat's character looks up to him, sees him when he's young. There's this horrible fire, right? Yeah. And then he sort of goes into hiding. As an adult, Bobcat seeks him out. He has sort of forsaken the life of a ventriloquist, but he goes to see Bobcat to give him advice. Turns out that he wasn't a ventriloquist. He just absorbed his twin, who is a a sex-hungry maniac who he's been sedating with morphine for 15 years by just shooting junk right into his his mutant brother hand. Well, when you put it like that, it sounds so far-fetched. <laughs> it's so good. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. The reveal is great. Yeah. Because up to the reveal, I was just kind of like, oh, I see where this is going. Yeah. And then the reveal comes, and you're just like, oh, Okay. Because he's got a stump, and you're like, oh, maybe he lost it in the fire or something happened. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Just a. (laughs) And once again, like the animatronics on this thing and the way they made it move is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It is a hideous little puppet. I think that's the thing with the show, too, is like watching this now, it just makes you nostalgic for, for practical effects. Yeah. Sidebar. Okay. I have no nostalgia whatsoever for the Dark Crystal. Okay. But I am so excited to watch me some puppets. Oh man, I have so much love for the original. That was an important movie for a little for me as a little kid because I was just a massive Jim Henson mm-hmm. fan. Mm. Like that was the movie for yeah. me. It's funny. I think it's a Space Jam of the eighties. Oh, snap. it's not. Yeah, so, those sound like fighting words. <laughs> wow. You guys should duke it out right now. <laughs> hmm. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Hey, it hey. was a Kia Forte, not a horse. Listen, Dark Crystal looks fucking awesome, and it still looks fucking awesome. Space Jam does not look good. No, no it Space does Jam not. looks yeah. really bad. No, they, it's really bad. Yeah, they somehow managed to look shittier than a movie that came out 10 years yeah. before. But you're mm-hmm. right. I am excited for the new one, even though it's directed by Lewis Black. Lewis <laughs> <laughs> Black of The Daily Show fame. Yeah. Yep. No, Lewis Lettier, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. He did like the transporter and the Hulk movie, the shitty Incredible Hulk movie. But hey, I hear, who cares? I hear they probably just need someone behind the camera. It's really about yeah. the puppets. So I hear good things. Anyway, back to Morty. Back to Morty. Back not to Rick Morty. and Morty. Not Rick and Morty. No, 
Yeah, that that reveal at the end is great, and then it's just it's just chaos. After the, that. Basically, at that point, uh, he lops off his own hand. He's like, "All right, I'm done with this. This is, this needs to end." So Don Rinkles chops off his brother at the hand, and then it's just kind of sentient on its own, <laughs> slithering around, trying to kill. Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> I have a really funny stuff. My wife is never going to listen to this podcast, so I'm going to say it. So I w- we went to uh, – I'm obsessed with Tales from the Crypt, obviously. My wife, like, dabbles here and there. She's never seen this episode. So we were watching – I was watching it while she was reading Devera, And then she came into the room, and, you know, we started doing some hanky-panky during that episode. And <laughs> she had to pause it because it was just screaming for all three of them. Like, you just hear Morty screaming. So she pauses it. We finish the hanky panky, and then uh, I look up at the TV. And it's just a freeze frame of Morty on the ground like this, with a subtitle that just says "Ah!" <laughs> and it was amazing. I'm not surprised to hear any of this. Uh, it is it is a scientific fact that there is no stronger aphrodisiac than the sound of Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> yep. and Don Rick. This is a transition phase for him where he's trying to leave his persona mm-hmm. behind. So he's not really doing the his original. No, no. he has come like it's a little bit of yeah. It. He has a bit of like the mumbly like, uh, sir. Uh, yeah. Uh. Now you just sound like the now other you just morning. sound like the other morning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, Rick. <laughs> but yeah, and then there's the very comical like there's a loose floorboard, so Bobcat steps on it, and the hand the Morty goes flying in the air, and he has a baseball bat, and he uh, hits it, and you hear like the noise of the baseball yeah. <laughs> hit the bat. <laughs> <laughs> it lands in a meat grinder. It's like, oh, not the meat grinder. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, Morty propositions Bobcat into saying, like, I'll give you anything. And Bobcat obviously wants the fame of ventriloquism, so he attaches Morty to his hand. <laughs> yeah. And they go on the road together, and it yeah. does not end well. <laughs> Makes a Faustian <laughs> pact with a human tumor. <laughs> so wait, my, my question, I didn't quite understand how it ended. Did Was Bobcat just holding him? While Morty was wearing a dummy mask, yeah, what and if he, he got, was holding, and then the Morty started of this? Yeah, dissolving. Then he got mad, yeah. so he like started fusing himself yeah. to Bobcat because you can see Bobcat's fingers through Morty's chest uh, neck. Stomach. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? I said through his chest neck. <laughs> yeah, because Morty's just a head on a like kind of a scrawny neck with arms coming out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. chest neck. It's amazing. Yeah, now. if you're listening to this, you should probably. Just watch. Google. Yeah. Watch it, yes. Google chest neck. Google, <laughs> Google the Morty from the ventriloquist dummy. Yes. Season two, episode 10 of Boom. Tales from the Crypt. The fourth episode is television terror. Oh, this is probably one that not a lot of people would like. I just. This is season two, episode 16. I'm a sucker for haunted house stuff. And sure. I still have a soft spot for like found footage kind of things, yeah. especially when it's. Of the VHS era, I'm a big fan of like anything VHS, just the way it looks and everything else. Yeah. And this episode hit all those spots, especially with Morton Downey Jr.'s huge teeth. Yeah. Anyone <laughs> knows that, how big that guy's teeth are? Well, I didn't know. I recognized the name, but I didn't really know who he was mm. until afterwards looking it up. And I think- um, He's playing a version of himself. Yeah, more yeah. or less. So yeah. I, I imagine like seeing it at the time- it was probably really fun to see him yeah. Like, yeah. lean into what a scumbag he was. <laughs> so this was directed by Charlie uh, Pisserni? I looked him up. He's like a stunt he, He's a stunt man. Yeah. yeah. He's still doing a lot of stunt yeah. stuff. Yeah. And uh, written by Randall Johnson, who uh, wrote Dudes, which was a Penelope Spears movie. Oh, right on. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. I've never seen Dudes. Me neither, but you know, we did that episode that one time. Yeah, we did. And didn't he write uh, The Doors, too? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doors, dudes. The premise of this is Morton Downey Jr. plays this character named Horton Rivers, and he's essentially like, like a, a Geraldo, Geraldo Rivera, Rivera yeah. type who kind of does these like tabloid news TV. pieces, essentially. Yeah, tabloid, and he's doing one on this like haunted house, and they're doing it live. Yeah, yeah. So the the story with the house is that um, uh, a person had taken in. It was it was a home for like for elderly people who needed you know assisted living, and mm. they're just like getting killed off in the basement, and, and yeah. no one knew this was happening. And now like the house has been condemned for years, so they're gonna go in, and there are rumors that it's haunted. And uh, yeah, so they go in, and of course, haunted shit starts happening on live TV, and he's just such a relentless dick to everybody he works with so that when shit starts going down and their phones are ringing, they're like, whatever you're doing is great for ratings, so keep it going. Yeah. And everybody just, like, gleefully watches well, horrible things And there's the guy him. in the bus who uh, is just anything that he says is just shitting on Horton Rivers. Like, oh, yeah, he they fucking all hate hates him. this guy. <laughs> Everything that Horton sees, the viewer doesn't see it. He's having, like, hallucinations of actual shit that went down in the house. Mm-hmm. But I, lo- I love the way this, this episode is lit because yeah. there's, like, there's a lot of so Horton's going into the house with a, a camera, like one cameraman. Yeah. So a lot of it is from the cameraman's perspective, and you see a lot of things lit via the light on the camera. So it is a mixture of kind of found footage, but yeah. also it it does cut to like it does show the cameraman yeah. holding the camera, and that's great too because they use a lot of that lighting to kind of yeah. light the spaces and and Horton Rivers and all that stuff. Uh, so it's like great. It's a lot of just kind of like one light, just yeah. like harsh kind of peeking through things and some of exterior kind of ambient light kind of leaking mm-hmm. in to make it this really creepy kind of house. It reminds me of, did you guys ever watch like the WNUF Halloween special or Ghost Watch, yeah. which was like the Ghost British Watch. version? Yeah. Ghost Watch, like I love that idea because they did a lot of that stuff in the 90s yeah. where it was, you know, like, oh, we're going to go into this haunted house and where cameras are going to be live and let's see if we could see anything and nothing ever pans out. But they have like the psychic that they're interviewing yeah. and it just felt very nostalgic you know almost yeah. like for nostalgia it reminded me a lot of ghost watch yeah. um mm. and for listeners that's like this british uh yeah. show where they actually used real anchors from the bbc yeah. to put on this hoax about this haunted house and and a lot of british kids apparently freaked the yeah. fuck out oh, like yeah. this is a nationwide thing of like mm-hmm. oh this is scary yeah. Uh, like this is the guy we see on the news every night and he's talking about ghosts now and yeah. it's like real ghosts. And so they tricked the name. It looks sort of like a War of the Worlds type yeah. of thing. It's worth watching if you could stumble It is really it. cool. But this uh, reminded me of like that same premise mixed with yeah. like the Geraldo Rivera. Like I love the opening dot. Like, oh, we could talk to the Satanists or like <laughs> they're trying to plan out next week's episode. And it just reminds me of like watching the Geraldo Rivera special about Satanism. and Yeah. I, or the um, they even reference it. Oh, uh, Al Capone's yeah. vault. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Where they opened it and there's nothing in there. And, yeah. and they're worried that that's what's going to happen here. Exactly. But instead, he ends up flying out the window and he's kind of, he, he like. He's gutted by a chainsaw yeah. from an old lady ghost and then <laughs> thrown out a window to hang. Yeah. yeah. But before that, like, the cameraman gets murdered, which is yeah. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, that was a cool, like, it, it was something that you don't really expect. You know, you see the blood trails and then all of a sudden you just see the cameraman's feet dangling behind him. And then, then you hear the people like, who's holding the camera? It's like dun yeah. dun dun. It was a fun <laughs> reveal. And, yeah, and, and and everyone in the booth is just capitalizing on this. Oh like, yeah. this is great. Ratings are yep. great. This yeah, is awesome. It's, it's not a terrified who's holding the camera. It's like wow, whatever you did, it's, yeah, keep, yeah, keep doing it. Well, because they, you know, they're implying 
there's a commercial break and they're saying like, oh, the ratings aren't that good. The studio's calling us like you got to try and spice it up. And then this stuff starts happening where Horton Rivers is, you know, screaming like, get me out of here. Whatever you do, get me out of here. And they're trying to make that decision. Like, do we pull him out? or Do we leave him in here? And the person who's like running the show, who happens to be someone who's sleeping with him for some apparent reason, she's just like, nah, leave him in there. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Then he comes. He he gets out eventually. (laughs) Not alive. Not alive. Yeah. You recommended these four episodes, um, and and they're from the first two seasons, and there's seven seasons. Yeah. Is there a reason like you just prefer these? No, I. For some reason, every I, I admit that I still probably haven't seen every episode of Tales from the Crypt uh, because I'll start watching you know an episode on season one just randomly. Just, oh, I'm going to watch this. And then I'll bang out season one, get a little into season two, and they get distracted. So I just kind of bounce around. But these four episodes, like and all through the house is just, like I said, it's tradition. That's one of my favorite things to watch every Christmas. Television terror is just one that represents more of the horror side. Ventriloquist Dummy was more comedy, and Cutting Cards was more more or less like a story that isn't quite horror, but still isn't like that Tales from the Crypt playful yeah, realm. Yeah, has that like ironic twist. So when you ask for recommendations, I just decided to give like a little something from everything almost. Like this is what the show has to offer. There's still great stuff in season three, four, five. I probably six, maybe seven. <laughs> <laughs> I... I've heard Seven isn't as, yeah. as popular as the other seasons. But, I mean, it still has, you know, great actors in it. Like, yeah. I believe, uh, like, Ewan McGregor's in, in – it's, it's a lot of people, like, early in their career doing a lot of stuff. Um, I, I just threw out some – you put some pressure on me. You were like, give me <laughs> give me four episodes of your one of your favorite shows ever. And it's just like, oh, well, there's well, more than that. <laughs> I, I did do, like, a few searches on my own yeah. to see if there were any lists of, you know, the top sure ten episodes. And, a, and most of – and these episodes weren't on every list, but they're on, um, you know, they pop up on on, yeah. these, on a bun- various different top ten lists. There are still other amazing episodes, and I actually made a list of like all the runner-ups. Before almost. we get into that yep. list, can we actually? We didn't talk about this at the top of the show, but what is your history with the show? Like, how did you start watching it? Was this something you started watching when you were young? Yeah, I was way too young to be watching this. <laughs> um, I can we, imagine that watching this at a young age. Not only will it have a, a big effect on how you watch things and, and the type of things you yeah. watch, but it also could be a formative thing for, for such a young yeah. age, just because it covers like such a a large uh, swath of the horror genre. Yeah, um, for me, uh, I had the opposite problem. Well, not problem. I had the opposite upbringing than you. Uh, my dad had a black box and loved that thing, so we had all the pay channels, pay per view, all the time. Uh, piracy wasn't <laughs> what it is now. I was watching these like while they were airing with my dad. I was probably four or five years old. My dad's a terrible, terrible father. <laughs> <laughs> I love him for it. actually. Uh, they gave me a bunch of VHS like home video recordings, and so I popped one in, and I was watching it with my wife. And it was Christmas morning, and we're opening up gifts, and my dad got me a Freddy Krueger pull string toy, and got my brother a Beetlejuice one. How old were you? It was 88. So oh. I was, no, it was 89, and I was three years old. My brother was four. And those were the gifts that he was giving us. Like, I had Freddy Krueger doll at three years. Like, why? I, I've never watched it, you a, know? A rapist. Yeah. <laughs> Freddy Krueger is a rapist. So my dad exposed me to a lot of horror stuff when I was young. And this was one of those things, like, 
late at night it would come on late at night and i would be past my bedtime but i'd have problems sleeping so i'd go stay with him and like what better to help your sleeping problem than like watching horror stuff with your father <laughs> did, now did it were you desensitized to it at a young age or did it actually scare you when you were a kid uh i i i was definitely scared there was things that were scary and things that weren't um like for example i could watch freddy jason that was fine but like pet cemetery freaked me out the Exorcist. I took me like two days to actually finish it, um, but Tales from the Crypt just seemed like fun. It was like bonding with Dad, you know. And yeah, <laughs> terrible father. And you still watch it every Christmas. Uh, that one episode. That one episode specifically, but I, not a month goes by where I don't at least watch like one Tales from the Crypt episode. Just you know, background noise while I'm working or something like that. So. Yeah. And like I said, I've still yet to. I, I'm almost afraid to finish it because then I'll be like, "There's no more left." Like it's fun to me now that like I can still go pop on season six because and find a new episode that I haven't seen usually I bounce around based on you know actors like I'll because in the DVDs which I brought with me like if you open them up or on the back it says you know like who directed what episode and you see pictures of the stars in it and it's like oh I want to see what Sherilyn Finn was doing in a Tales from the Crypt episode and I'll pop in that episode and then I'll get distracted watch two or three and have fun for Tony and I, if we wanted to continue watching, like, what do you do recommend? Do you want to continue watching? Yeah, I do. Do you? Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to, like, watch more right now. I yeah. think uh, it certainly satisfied my curiosity. And I think as we get closer to Halloween and going forward, I think like having those Christmas specials that you throw on every year when mm-hmm. December rolls around, I will happily be like, oh, let's just – Look for some famous person who I really like who is in a Tales from the Crypt and, yeah. and watch that episode. Well, there are some very, very interesting choices. Uh, there's an episode called Death of Some Salesman, which has <laughs> – it's was Ed Begley Jr. stumbles across his house trying to sell him something, and it's ran by a family of father, mother, and a daughter, and they're all played by Tim Curry. <laughs> That sounds great. And they're the scariest looking people ever. That one's really good. There's a one called The Man Who Was Death, which is directed by Walter Hill, starring William Sadler as a executioner at a prison. And uh, the death penalty is overturned, so he's out of a job. And so he just uh, almost pulls like a Dexter-like thing and takes vigilante life and, and just starts frying people that escape the law. And uh, has a nice twist. I'm sure you guys can... Every episode has a twist of some sort, but I'm sure you guys can put that one together. Uh, you Murderer, which I talked about earlier. John Lithgow, Sherilyn Fenn, and Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> and that one's directed by Robert Zemeckis, and that was season five. So there's still quality stuff in season five. It still goes. There's two episodes that kind of have this interesting tie-in with Tales from the Crypt. Um, there's an episode called Lower Birth, where it's about like that's the a, origin of the Crypt Keeper. That is the origin of the Crypt Keeper. Uh, did you watch that one? Okay. So no, it's about I read like about it. A, a disformed man that lives a life in like the traveling sideshow. Uh, he, he's in a freak show, and someone gets a mummy in, and he just gets this fascination with this mummy, and ends up you know making a baby with the mummy, and he, they birth the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and then there's another one which is really good uh, c- called Corman's Calamity. And it's about a comic book artist, specifically from Tales from the Crypt, who 
whatever he draws comes to life. It's almost like the Tales from the Hood segment with um, David Alan Greer, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And so he's just drawing these crazy monsters and they come to life and uh, you know, someone tracks it down and says like, hey, everything that you're drawing, I'm seeing and they're trying to kill me. No, it's it's what he ends up like creating a monster based on his wife to kill his wife because she's just such a terrible person. The Reluctant Vampire uh, stars Malcolm McDowell as a Ooh. vampire named I forget his first name, but his last name is Longtooth. Okay. Uh, so he's a vampire that works at a blood bank because he's a nice guy. Oh, okay. So he doesn't have to murder anyone. There's a. Three's a Crowd, which I plagiarized the shit out of for a fifth grade short story. And I don't know how my teacher didn't call me out and say, like, you clearly didn't write this. No internet. No internet, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the reason. But it's a story about uh, a guy bringing his wife to this cabin to just get some alone time. And there's talks about, you know, like them trying to make a baby for so long and it hasn't worked. This is coming from a fifth grader back in school. So this is a dead giveaway that, like, I just ripped this off. So him and his wife decide to go to a cabin and try and make the baby that they've been trying to do, and it's been failing. And the guy's best friend shows up, and he keeps seeing his friend talking to his wife about, you know, something's going on there. And he has it in his mind. He's like, she's fucking him, you know. like, And then she's like, I'm going to kill them. So he murders his wife, and he murders his best friend, and then he brings him out to the boathouse. And as soon as he opens up the door, you hear cheering from all of his family and friends and says, congratulations, it's a girl. He was, their friend was planning the surprise party because he finally became a father, and he murdered them right before. Whoa. So, yeah. That was, Heavy stuff. That was pretty dark. Yeah. Um, there's this episode called What's Cooking with Meatloaf and uh, Christopher Reeves pre-accident, uh, obviously. <laughs> but uh, they basically uh, own a small restaurant, and they start getting success when they start selling mystery meat, which is... People. People. Soylent Green? <laughs> Soylent Green. Yeah, no, uh, people. People. Oh, humans. Soylent Green is made of people. Is it, though? What? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. And um, then there was one episode called The Switch, directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he makes a guest he appearance. He directed it? Yes. And oh. it's actually like a pretty interesting So uh, There was an actor. He was in the Puppet Master and everything else, like Crucifixion. I think his name was William Hickey. Oh, okay, yeah. Or Hickley or something. Yeah. He did the voice in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. He plays this old man that's in love with this younger woman, and you know, obviously she won't give him a, the time of day. She's like, you're an old, wrinkly piece of shit you know like i need a hunky man so he starts paying for these surgeries to like improve his legs improve his body and then eventually like switches bodies with this hunk and he pays you know he's super rich so he pays all this money to do it and then he goes up to her and is like look i'm perfect i'm everything you want me to be and she's like well i fell in love with this guy he has so much money and it was his old body so it was a nice little <laughs> little twist but, yeah look, what the twist um so after the show had ended there, well, it was actually right before the show ended, they had planned some spin-off movies. Yep. So there's a few spin-off Ooh. movies. Ha- Tony, have you seen any of the movies? Uh, so there's there's Demon Knight. Which is awesome, and I don't believe you when you say you don't like it. I, I, I like it. You said you, li- you, said you hated it. I, I didn't say text. I hated it. At one point, yeah. I probably just did that because 
just don't to know. piss me off. Yeah. 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 Because I have a Demon Knight, uh, like, video store promo standee yeah. in my room. I love Demon It was Knight. directed by Bruce Dickinson. Mm-hmm. You know who that is? He's a director of photography for... Um, it's Ernest Dickerson. Ernest Bruce Dickerson. Dickerson is the guy from uh, Iron, Iron Maiden. Maiden. Iron Maiden. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man. You're way off on that. Way off. Uh, but Ernest Dickerson, yep. he was the director of photography for um, Spike Lee, so he yeah. did uh, Do yeah. the Right Thing and mm-hmm. a bunch of his earlier movies. Uh, but Demon Knight is f- it's, it's, feels more like a monster movie than it does. But it still has that fun camp to yeah. it. You know, it Billy the, Zane. It has the same tone as the show, but maybe not as kind of... It's more about the monsters than it yeah. is about any kind of twists or kind of morality mm-hmm. plays yeah. or anything like that. You know what? I'm thinking now that either prior to or in addition to the cartoon, I think my familiarity with the Crypt Keeper came from previews for Bordello of Blood. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw that in sucks. the theater. Yeah, that's not It's good. bad. I saw yeah. parts of it. I don't know if I want to sit through anything with Dennis Miller in it. Well, Dennis, Dennis, yeah, that's true. They want, Dennis Miller was so hot, and they wanted Dennis Miller for this movie, and he's like, I will not make a horror movie. Like, fuck that. I have no interest in it. And they're like, please, 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 please. And he's like, give me $3 million and I'll do it. Oh, jeez. And so they paid him $3 million to be and in that movie. Bumped. And it it tanked. But yeah. he had zero interest in talking to anyone on that movie, talking to the director. He just showed up, read his lines, and that's it. I'm like, really surprised to hear that he's a giant asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, yeah. babe. And Sorry, I think there was one that after was... that called Ritual. But it didn't yeah, so, have the Crypt Keeper. It just kind of used but the name. Didn't they add the Crypt Keeper in like some DVD or like some I've home never things? Seen it. I've I, never I think seen I read it. that. Yeah. I also I also read that at one point from Dusk Till Dawn and the Frighteners, the Frighteners. were considered yep. to be like mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt. But I guess Zemeckis thought that the Frighteners, the script was too good, so he. <laughs> so the Frighteners is a lot of fun. It is it a is lot great. of fun. Yeah, and from Dusk Till Dawn, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I believe Demon Knight weren't even Demon Knight and Bordello Blood at the time the scripts were written weren't even supposed to be Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. It was just a way to get those movies made. Throw the Crypt Keeper at the beginning sure. and boom. Oh, we've talked about that before too. Like once Hellraiser got to straight to video, it's yeah. like, what if we just put the pin? We'll, we'll put Pinhead in a shitty psychological yeah. thriller and call it a Hellraiser movie. Uh, it's oh, is funny. that the s- part six with the cop? <laughs> oh, dude. From five on, it was just yeah. a blur of bullshit. That's what's funny about Demon Knight, because it starts off with the same going through the house as the show does. Yeah. And then the crypt, it starts off with like this sort of, like almost feels like a sh- middle short film, and it shows the Crypt Keeper as the director. And, uh, and, and it comes walking out. John Larroquette is, this, is one of the actors he's working with, and he's berating him. Does uh, he have puffy pants? The Crypt Keeper? Yeah, the crypt puffy, keeper puffy director pants. He he gets up and walks around. Yeah, yeah. and that was the weirdest thing because he, he's walking up, yeah. and you're used to seeing him sitting in animatronic. It almost looks like a composite. It's like yeah, the, it's like it's... that moment where you see uh, Kermit's feet when he's riding the bike. Yeah, <laughs> but Billy Zane is a lot of fun in the yeah. movie, and Jada Pinkett. Um, yep. I don't believe she was Smith there's, at the there's time. There's a lot of great people in there. Yeah, uh, Dick uh, William Miller, Sadler, William Sadler, Dick Miller, yeah. who's incredible. Yeah, at that he's time. In, he's yeah. great all the time. He has like this sort of like dream sequence where he's being tempted by Billy Zane and he mm-hmm. walks into this bar and it's just all topless women. And Bordello of Blood, like, yeah, just bad. skip it. Yeah. And like you said, there's the aforementioned... Um, Ritual? Well, no, I was talking about the attempted uh, reboot oh, of the yeah, series yeah. recently. Well, there was... I, I, I forget what year it is. I want to say it was like 2004 or five uh, when Fearnet was a thing. The website they tried uh, reviving just the Crypt Keeper to like host a bunch of stuff via the internet as like a countdown to New Year's Eve. I think they did a uh, Tales from the Crypt marathon had him you know say new jokes in between stuff and 
it was a little it wasn't great <laughs> if you see like was it the same um voice actor it was the same voice actor but uh the animatronic just looked different i can't quite pinpoint what exactly it was it just looks like more rubbery you know i, I yeah. was more sold by the the lighting and the animatronic from the original series this one yeah. didn't look that great he looks great in demon knight oh yeah yeah amazing yeah beautiful i want to kiss him <laughs> gross <laughs> you don't want to kiss him not particularly no probably smells like death probably a little dry yeah was that a joke no i don't make jokes well he was he is dead i know <laughs> but i'm so jared usually on our show we make some recommendations uh based off of the topic of discussion so what would you recommend someone who is a a fan of tales from the crypt tales from the dark side the movie okay it has some really good segments um you know, kind of follows that anthology feel, and some of them feel kind of within the same spirit. Sure. And, you know, 80s, great actors, actresses. You got, like, Deborah Harry, a young uh, Joey Lawrence or Matthew Lawrence, one of the Lawrence brothers. Okay. Um, this predates the show. I, I believe it does. Yeah. I think it was 87 or 6, or, but well, regardless of... Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, 1990. Oh, Wow. As far as like what horror anthologies, I think this is a works. TV series, Tales from the Dark Side, four seasons. George Romero directed a lot of them. Tom Savini had his hands in a lot of them as well. Huh. It's good stuff. What did that air on? Was that a. I don't even remember. Yeah. Because I caught those after the fact. My sure. dad ended up finding like bootleg tapes. So we didn't back mention it, but Tales from the Crypt is an HBO show. Mm hmm. Home box office. I think that's probably the thing I associate with the most is being young and having free cable for the weekend and yeah. trying to watch this show, which probably had nudity yeah. and violence. Oh, yeah. And when you're like a young kid, those two things were pretty awesome. Pretty exciting. <laughs> what would you recommend, Tony? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Halloween 3. Nice. Which, uh, nice. You know, it's probably the one people who are familiar with Halloween are the least familiar with. It was the first and last time they tried to do this anthology mm -hmm. approach. Um, they should bring it back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I only I watched it for the first time recently. I really enjoyed it. It is a bit overlong, but like seeing something like this, I was like, okay, yeah, this like I definitely wished that we had more of that. I think that captures the same spirit too, especially with the ending and Dean Cundy shooting it as well. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Like as soon as I was a couple episodes into this assignment, I was like, Oh yeah, this is this this is feeling like Halloween three. So. Yeah. What about you? I'm going to recommend um, Black Sabbath Ooh. from 1963 by Mario Bava. This is probably my favorite anthology horror movie because mm -hmm. uh, it looks fucking awesome. Yeah. Because all of Bava movies, they're just gorgeous to look at. Uh, he kind of set the precedent for a lot of these things and predates all these guys. Yeah. It's got Boris Karloff and it's uh, a lot of fun tales and it's obviously influenced by EC mm -hmm. comics. Can I change my answer to Creepshow? <laughs> You can change your answer to Creepshow. Cool. <laughs> Correct answer, Creepshow. Are you excited for the new Creepshow? I am. Yeah, that will be scre streaming exclusively on Shudder. Yes. Uh, use promo code. <laughs> use promo miss? code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, try it. If it doesn't work the first time, just keep, keep just being keep refreshed. Trying. Yep. Who's involved with that? Do you know? Uh, Greg Nicotero. Oh, that's kind of cool. the main guy. He's so. directing some of it too, yep. right? That, that could be cool. They released a trailer... All the episode titles, all the episode directors, and I stayed away from everything. You want to be surprised? Yeah, yeah. I stopped watching trailers. I watched like, like I watched the It Chapter Two trailer because yeah. it's 
a sequel, a big box office thing. Yeah. Like, I'll check those out. I'm sure sure you like, saw the original It anyway. So yes. Yep. It's not like you don't know what you're getting yeah, yourself exactly. into. Yeah, exactly. I'm the same way. I kind of stopped watching things that I'm super excited about, yeah. so I haven't watched a trailer for The Lighthouse. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I deliberately uh, avoided any articles or trailers for Midsummer. I still haven't seen Midsummer, but I haven't seen a trailer either. You can go see it this weekend. Uh, it's Unrated. opening again. It's going to be three hours. Yep. It's crazy. They're not releasing that cut on Blu-ray, though. They're definitely not releasing nope. it? They it's, will. It's not involved on the the uh, DVD that they're releasing in October. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sure they'll double dip. Uh, but, like, do I just hold out? What do I do? I don't know. What do I do? What do I do? You you buy it again like we are for fucking Twin Peaks. <laughs> oh, my. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> Um, we own all of Twin Peaks, and they're coming out with we a box own set. Twin Peaks multiple times. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm not surprised. Yeah. sorry. Yeah, we're we're junkies. Don't, don't apologize. We're mainlining. Yeah. We, don't yeah. apologize to me. Okay, it's not my wallet. I think David Lynch should apologize to me <laughs> personally. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I want a phone call from David Lynch saying, yeah. I'm sorry Here's you had question. to buy this so many times." If if they released a Blu-ray just of the PlayStation 2 commercial that David Lynch directed, would oh. you guys buy it? Yep. No, all right, great. I'm glad you're honest. It's great. I probably wouldn't do that. No. <laughs> I mean, is it readily available on YouTube in yes. high definition? Not in high def. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing about Tales from the Crypt. It's not available in in high definition. Do you know why? On iTunes, they look great. Yep. It's not remastered though. No, it's only a matter of time till they do it. Like they recently just re reboxed what I have in front of me, which is all the individual seasons. Sure. They just put a box on the outside and sold it. They accidentally put it on Amazon for $25 when it was supposed to be $100 for the first day, and everyone bought it that day, and then they they said, like, oh, fuck. For the box It's 100 bucks now. And they, I don't think they've sold too many cents. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've been buying, like, I, I have a VHS taped from original episodes uh, that me and my dad used to watch back in the day. Um I rebought the DVDs. I've been buying them slowly on iTunes, like every once in a while, just for the convenience. You're just saying, like, oh, they're there right now. So oh, I have so like three seasons, and every like six months, I'll just buy the next season. So in like a few years' time, when yeah. iTunes decided that they are obsolete and delete ob- them on me, then they're gone. Yeah, they're just disappeared yep. from your library. But I still got the DVDs. You still got the mm-hmm. DVDs. What are we talking about next time? Uh, next time we are going to be talking about "We Have Always Lived in the Castle" by Shirley Jackson, who. Um, she also wrote The Haunting of Hill House, which was recently turned into a Netflix uh, series. So, yeah, yeah we're going to be reading the book. Uh, we're going to have a guest on if you want to talk about our guest at all. You're going to have guest on? We're going to have guest on. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. He's a, he was a big, uh, yeah, big, big fan of gothic horror. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he literally he, he hate got, books? He, he, got to that, he got to that castle and he was like, you know what? I'm going to rethink my choices. This is pretty cool. <laughs> Who's the guest? Emma Sarconian. She's going to talk about Shirley Jackson. She's kind of like a archivist and works with uh, books. <laughs> yeah, so she works at a library. She does. Yeah. yeah, we'll have her fill in details about exactly what she does when she comes on, because I'm sure it will be a lot more uh, eloquent than my description. But yeah, we're excited to talk about uh, Shirley Jackson. Great, awesome. We'll see you next time. All righty. Thank you for listening to What Did We Miss? You can follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Drop us a line at whatdidwemisspod at gmail.com. 
And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Did We Miss? Thanks, as always, to the What Cheer Writers Club in downtown Providence. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram at What Cheer Club, and you can learn more about them on their website at whatcheerclub.org. You ready? Yeah. This is Tony. And this is Matt. And this is What Did We Miss? A podcast where we explore our pop culture blind spots one episode at a time. <laughs> you weren't supposed to fart yet. Uh, <laughs> is it really going to be like this the whole yeah. time? <laughs> you might want to do a take two. I can't edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was perfect. Save it for the blooper reel. Okay. This is Tony. And this is Matt. And this is What Did We Miss? A podcast where we explore our pop culture blind spots one episode at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to do it. All right, all right. Last one, I swear. (sighs) This is Tony. And this... (laughs) (laughs) I I thought the last one was fine. The last one was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Okay. But, you know... This is Tony. And this is Matt. And this is what? <laughs> 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 All right. All right. We shake the sillies out. We good? Okay. <laughs>